Today is Kim Vogel Sawyer. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much. It is so nice to have you back. Now, some of you listeners may remember Kim from an earlier podcast that we aired last fall on September 6th in advance of the release of her novel, Still My Forever. If somehow you missed that episode, be sure to go back and listen. In the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about her. Kim is a prolific writer and a highly acclaimed author of some 60 books that have sold more than 1.7 million copies in seven languages around the world. All this since her big publishing debut about 20 years ago. Her stories of love and loss, rejection and reunion, longing and romance reflect her upbringing in the American Midwest and her deep Christian faith. Her awards include the American Christian Fiction Writers Carol Awards, the Inspirational Reader's Choice Awards, and the Gail Wilson Award of Excellence. Kim is here with us again today in advance of her latest book, Tapestry of Grace, with a release date of April 18. In our last episode, Kim revealed herself to be an overcomer, moving past being a very bashful little girl who found it hard to make friends to someone whose name is recognized by hundreds of thousands of readers around the world. For someone who didn't have a voice, she became someone who not only has found her own voice, but has helped aspiring writers find and express their voices in her national writers' conferences. And she's given voice to fictional characters that touch real readers everywhere. People who've struggled with feelings of loss, loneliness, and longing. People who are looking for inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Before we get started with the conversation about her new book, Kim, um, bring us up to date on what's been happening with you. It seems like forever since we talked about Still My Forever. (laughs) Yeah, it has been a really quick few months in between. Um, Obviously, we had some holidays in yes, there, which was fun. Always love the excuse to get together with family. I did finish another novel in that time period. Um, just recently turned in my spring of 2023 release. Been very, very busy with Samaritan's Purse. I'm a year-round volunteer in three different capacities with them. And so packing and organizing and sorting a whole lot of Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. It's amazing how much of that has taken over my life, and I love every minute of it. And then, of course, involved with a lot of grandkids. Um, this We just started cross-country season, and my senior, one of my, I have two senior grandsons this year, but one of them is one of the top people in the state to wow, walk. Wow, congrats. So um, grandma's going to be um, tomorrow heading to a, a cross-country meet and hope I don't freeze to death. The, the weather took just a <laughs> terrible turn here today. I don't know what's happened to spring. But well, you're not okay. going to run with them, are you? Oh, you don't no, train no, no. with them. I, yeah, I, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, we run from point to point on this the uh, oh, course so that, you know, we can see him come by and cheer oh, for him and good. let him know we're there. But um, no. I'm I'm old. 
and out of shape. And that would not work for me to be running around that track. I'm glad he can do it, though. <laughs> and it is fun to cheer him on. My sister was a marathon runner, and we used to do the same thing. We'd go every couple of miles and pick her up and yell her through that segment and then drive to the next spot. So yep. Yep, I have very happy memories of that. And I was just playing. I, I didn't figure you were training with him. But you never know. You could surprise me. So It would, probably would do me some good. <laughs> and it would be a story people would love to hear. But we're not going to talk about that story today. We're going to talk about your newest release, Tapestry of Grace. So um, bring our readers up to date. Uh, Give us some background information. Tell us what's happening in that book. Okay. Well, how about if I just give the what we call the elevator pitch, which is a real short snippet. Um, When a group of Kansas women started Froenverein, a benevolent society devoted to aiding widows and orphans, life changes for more than just the hurting people they seek to help. Um, This is an historical novel. Um, It's set in 1895 in a little Kansas town founded by Russian um, immigrants that um, are Mennonite heritage, which is my personal heritage. So, you know, I always have fun when I incorporate a little bit of that into story world. Um, And it came about, I basically was a research rabbit trail. I was researching something else, um, looking for German newspapers and came across an article about uh, a Lutheran church in New York that had started a Frohenverein, which is basically a women's benevolent society, for helping new arrivals from Germany who had become widowed or orphaned on their way from their former country. And I just was fascinated by that that club and what they did. And then I found out that those, that type of club had spread all over the United States within German communities. Um, and I thought, oh, that will be fun. Let's work a story around that. So it really was based off a little piece of historical truth. But of course, the town in which I placed it, the characters, they're all of my imagination. So I can do what I want to with them. <laughs> I wondered because they seemed very real to me. So, And they had such unusual names. I wondered if they were names that you made up or names that were inspired by maybe people in your ancestry or people in the newspaper or people in town. The, the way I find names is I locate cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> so good. In communities that are similar to what I'm writing mm-hmm. and I harvest first names, I harvest last names, or I go to the Social Security Administration, what names were popular, you know, for first names. And then the other thing, this is a lot of German characters in this book. And so I look for popular German surnames and Mennonite surnames as well, so that they would seem like they were appropriate for the time period and the setting. So, yeah, every now and then it's kind of funny because I'll hear from a real person, why did you use my name in your book? And I don't pull a full name off of any headstone. <laughs> I'm very cautious about that. But um, it was it was an April 1st, April Fool's Day, um, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I got an email from Summer Stedman, who was the main character in my very first Bethany House novel. That was a little weird. So, you know, <laughs> it does happen. But I wanted real. And so by using little elements like that, make the the story, even though it's fiction, feel more realistic. Well, you threw in a lot of German grammar and other uh, German words besides that very fancy name for the Women's Benevolence Committee. Um, So (laughs) do you speak German or, uh, you know, how how did those work their way into the story? 
Ich spreche Deutsch nicht sehr gut. Um, I'm terrible at it. I, I don't speak German well at all. My dad does speak. My dad speaks cultured German. Um, my mother spoke Plattdeutsch, which is low German. It's a, um, basically a, a dialect that they used in Russia. Um, they were Germans that moved to Russia, and it was kind of became a blend of German and Russian. And it, it was, you aren't going to find a dictionary with it <laughs> for the most part. Um, but I, I contacted my dad when I needed a sentence or something and said, help me out with the static. You know, individual words, you can drop a German word in every now and then, uh, make sure that it's the appropriate one for the context of the sentence. But my dad's been a real good source for me with that. And then my mom, before she passed away, helped me a lot with the plot Deutsch. So I'm, it's nice to have family members in the know. <laughs> yes, it's always good to have help in your writing and to have an extra set of eyes on your uh, manuscripts. Um, Absolutely. So like your story, the characters, uh, your personal story, the characters in this story, Tapestry of Grace, all have something to overcome. So one of the lead characters, Augusta, as a school mm -hmm. teacher, and she's looking for meaning and purpose. She's got some time on her hands and she wants to make herself useful. Um, Conrad is a man who works in town. He's got two twin boys and he kind of needs some help. He's uh, grieving the loss of his spouse, as is Augusta. Um, and then there's another woman, Martina, who would love to have children. And she is um, overcoming her sadness about not being able to be a mother. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, overcoming seems to be an ongoing theme with you. Um, so so talk a little bit about how that plot develops and how, um, how you assigned these characters, their overcomer challenges. You know, it's, I realize how strange this sounds when I say things like this, but the characters tell me what their problems are. Okay. It's not necessarily something that I assign. And I, I, I say those kinds of things and people look at me like I need to be committed. Mm -hmm. And I really okay. think writers are the only ones that can have those kinds of thoughts and not get committed for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, there, there are challenges around us everywhere. Um, particularly with the not being able to conceive and carry a child. There are four women in my circle of, of close acquaintanceship that struggle with infertility. So I know it's something that a lot of characters will be, or readers, I'm sorry, will be able to relate to because it's not an uncommon situation, um, nor would it be for a widower mm -hmm. to, you know, all of a sudden he's by himself raising these kids. He's got to work, he's got to do everything and, can't do it all by himself. So, you know, those those kinds of things um, hopefully are relatable mm -hmm. to people. Um, and, you know, God is with us in every mm -hmm. challenge of life. And I'm hoping that maybe when the readers see the, the characters lean into his strength, it gives them the kind of confidence and encouragement to do the same in their real life situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved all the extra characters, too. And so thank you for not making too many of them, because sometimes they can get lost in the storyline. Um, and, and you hardly get to know them. And I just found all of your characters very likable, very relatable. I loved how they worked together, um, the conversations that they had. And sometimes it's really hard to make conversations natural and believable. Mm -hmm. And I just think you did a great job of that. So thank um, you. Um, do these characters have conversations in your head, or do they just kind of work themselves out through your fingers? as you're thinking about how the story should unfold <laughs> you know they they talk at me okay um, yeah and I they become so very real to me 
that their voices become real to me. And if you take the time to get to know the character beforehand, which is what I do um, for every one of my characters, I'm not a plotter. Oh, please don't need a plot. Um, It just drives me up a tree. I can't do it. But I spend time with the characters. I examine what do they want out of life? Why is it so important for them to gain this? What's standing in the way of them achieving that goal? And I look at it from a physical standpoint, what they can hold in their hand. I look at it from an emotional standpoint, what you feel, you know, in your heart. And then also from a spiritual standpoint, because we're three-dimensional people, I want my characters to be three-dimensional as well. So I examine those goals from all three of those elements and why those things are important. And then the plot grows out of things standing in the road of them actually achieving what they want. Um, And so I think that helps the characters be real to me. I know them really well. I know what they want and why they want it, which motivation, I mean, is is so important. And they they just come to life for me in my head. I guess I'm fortunate in that. Mm-hmm. Well, they absolutely stayed true to their own character. You know, sometimes you feel like uh, the author hasn't really understood a character well, and, and maybe they're kind of searching to define the character. When I'm writing a story, I want to get to know the character, and it's mm-hmm. hard to do if they're not clearly defined. And I thought you did a great job of that. Um, one of my well, uh, one of my favorite things about uh, this book was all the good stuff happened around the dinner table. Why is that? <laughs> is that me or is that you or is that like all well, of us? I mean, we're in families. And when I was growing up, that's where we had our conversations because that was when we were all together. You know, there really wasn't another time of day that we were all gathered in one place. Um, we were all going different directions, school and work and activities and whatever. And so the, the real conversations that included the entire family that seemed to have the most meaning took place when we were all around that table. So, yeah, it is something I grew up with. I think it's becoming something that for a lot of families is lost. Um, we're all so busy anymore. You know, and the kids get bigger. It's hard to get them all gathered around the table. But I think it's important to do that because that's where the family bonds really are established and um, where where those conversations can really go deep if we take the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think in doing that and making those significant conversations happen around a dinner table, you're recalling the culture of that time where that was important. Mm-hmm. It was the highlighted day for so many families um, and for for just people gathering socially. That was just a good <laughs> place to do that. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and then you also brought in some beautiful faith aspects where these people really had to consider what they believed about God and their purpose and their destiny and um, uh, inviting God to be part of their decision making. Why was that important to you to include the faith element in those ways? Well, we, like I said a little bit earlier, we're three-dimensional. And until we have ourselves in alignment at the core of who we are, um, our moral center, our faith center, nothing else is really going to fall neatly into place. So it's real important for us as human beings to, you know, discover that faith center and, and of course, have allow God to fill that center Um and look for his guidance. Um, we're not happy if we're not in his will. We just can't be. We can't be content. So that's always important for me to bring into the story world is letting people seek his will for them above their own wills. Because I do think we 
we're just never who we're meant to be. We're never content with life when we're just striving to serve self and not thinking about the one who created us to do good things in his name. I hope that makes sense. It does. And I'm so glad that you allowed us to see your characters struggle through some of those issues, yielding their will to God's will and, um, you know, really trusting him to supply uh, the, the answers to their prayers rather than trying to grasp things in their own hands. And when they did that, we certainly saw what happens in real life. That never goes well. Yeah. Us. So I loved <laughs> that um, your characters really did wrestle with their faith and they really leaned into that or didn't, um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, without, without giving any spoilers, uh, just yeah. the, the, the conflict <laughs> in the story, which just was uh, beautifully resolved in a lovely, surprising way. So I found the book charming and delightful and I know readers will too. So tell us how they can get their own copies. Well, you can visit the Waterbrook Multnomah website and pull up the Tapestry of Grace. And there will be links to every online source available there. They're also on my website, just KimBogleSawyer.com. Or walk into your local Christian bookstore, you know, your brick and mortar stores. They need a lot of customers, too. I think particularly since we're coming out of a time where we were at home. We, we didn't have a choice. We've gotten real custom to just ordering everything online. But those small businesses really benefit from our patronage. So um, if you have a local bookstore, I would say go in there and ask for it. If it's not already on the shelf, they can order it for you. And it benefits you. It also benefits them. So that, that I think that probably the brick and mortar is my first mm-hmm. choice. But I know that's not possible for everyone. We don't all live where there is a bookstore for one thing. And some people still can't get out. So this, the websites are good, too. <laughs> good. Well, our listeners will enjoy shopping at a brick and mortar because that's what the characters in the story did. So you're already stepping into the story as you're going to pick up that book for yourself. <laughs> that's right. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll hear more from our guest today, Kim Vogel-Sawyer. joy to have Kim Vogel Sawyer on our podcast again. And of course, to have you, our dear listeners, join us time after time too. What an amazing circle of friends we've built together with listeners and guests from across the Americas and around the world. You are as interesting to us as the people we feature on our podcasts. So let us hear from you. Tell us your stories and what you think of our show. Join our conversations any old time on our socials at NowICPod. While you're there, scroll back through our threads for announcements about events happening in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, like the Praises Cross the Prairie concert Sunday, April 30th, featuring our guest Joel Salazar, as well as national events like the online Authorize Me Writers mini-course hosted by Sharon Norris Elliott and 
the National Day of Prayer, hosted by churches and religious organizations in locations near you, coming up Thursday, May 4th. We love it when we get to meet you at our featured events, like the Gathering of Sacred Nations that happened the first week in April, and the Highland Games, where our former guest, Stephanie Sloan, will be competing this weekend. Even if you can't share our events, you can at least share our show by inviting your friends to listen, or leaving us a good rating and review so others can find us too. If you're new to our show, please like and subscribe so you'll never miss another episode. You can go back and listen to interviews with our previous guests when you visit our website at nis.media and click on the blog tab. While you're on our site, be sure to check out our featured causes and favorite authors like today's guest, Kim Vogel-Sawyer. Next week, we'll enjoy conversation with returning guest, author Misu Andrews, as we talk about her latest releases. But for now, let's get back to our show. So we are back from our break with our guest today, Kim Vogel-Sawyer. So Kim, uh, first half of the show, we were talking about your latest release, Tapestry of Grace, that is coming out just right now. Um, and now I want to turn the corner a little bit and talk about what's coming up next for you. Well, well I'm really excited. I'll be going in another week to Hannibal, Missouri. Um, I don't know if you're a MASH fan. <laughs> when I was growing up, we watched <laughs> MASH and... Um, Colonel Potter from Hannibal, Missouri. <laughs> I was going to say another famous course, Sawyer was in Hannibal. Yeah, oh my God. Well, and of course, Bomb Sawyer, you know. Yes. So I'll, I'm looking forward to doing a little bit of exploring while I'm there. Mm -hmm. But I'm mostly looking forward just hanging out with other readers or other writers. Um, there, Nobody gets a writer like another writer. True. So talking with um, other writers is always really exciting. And so I'm looking forward to ScrivCon. <laughs> the Scrivenings Conference, and um, I'll be keynoting and teaching and doing some devotionals and just fellowshipping. Really, really looking forward to that. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. So what are you going to be talking about in your keynote? Um, keynote, actually, the, the title is It Is Well With My Soul, mm. and talking about how um, our expectations sometimes can derail us if we're not careful, but to find our contentment in him first and let everything else be secondary. So, you know, with, I think all writers, when, when you dream of being a writer, you want to be, you know, the best-selling writer, you want to be the award-winning writer, you want to be the one that, you know, has your books made into movies. You know, we set these really high goals. And sometimes it's just a matter of the growth process that we go through with writing the actual manuscript. So um, to, to just kind of switch our um, 
expectations to his will rather than our will, which might be something that shows up in my books quite a bit. I was going to say, didn't we just talk about this before the break? (laughs) Because everybody in in your story, Tapestry of Grace, had to let go of certain expectations about what they thought life was going to look like. And some of them turned out really delightful. So again, shameless plug for Tapestry of Grace. Go out and get it right now at a bookseller. So that's coming up. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I know that you're looking forward to that. Um, and you're going to be hosting an author. So tell about that. Yes. You know, I had the joy of being part of a, a writer's group for close to 20 years. We have been good friends. And um, one of our members recently passed away. And so it's and it's we're at different stages of life now than we were when we first started. So it's harder to, we are all in different states. So it's hard to get together, but I will be hosting one of my writing friends um, this summer. And we're, I'm going to visit San Antonio, Texas, which is where our, our member who passed away lived because that's the setting for my next novel. And so I'll be able to um, do some research and also, you know, revisit some special places and see some special people while we're there and just hang out with another writing friend um, and have a chance to kind of reconnect. She hasn't been real well, so I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to that time together. Mm -hmm. Research in air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) I know that you will research. It's what you do. But yeah, what a fun place to do your research right there in San Antonio, Texas. So um, a couple of things. Um, Let's talk about the new book that's coming out, which which you're working on, Dia. Okay. Well, it's again, it's based on a um, historical tidbit. In the the late 1800s, early 1900s, a, a Reverend J.T. Upchurch opened the Baruca Home for Women. And his goal was to rehabilitate prostitutes mm. and also provide shelter to women who were pregnant out of wedlock. You know, that was society did not appreciate those kinds of things. And so these these people were shunned. They needed a safe haven. And he provided that. Um, they established a choir from the, the women who went stayed in his shelter. And he was a revival preacher. And I um, traveled around. And then the choir would travel with him and sing. And that was how they made the money to keep this place open. So I, um, my friend who passed away had sent me the article about it. And with when she sent it to me, she included a little note. People need to understand there are no losers in God's eyes. Use mm. this and write the story. Mm. So good. And it's been several years since she sent that to me. So it's something that's rolled in the back of my mind for many, many years. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity for those characters to step up and make themselves known. And it finally happened. So Bertie Clarkson... <laughs> And Ephraim Overly are are going to be the, the main characters from that story. Um, um, Ever, uh, Ephraim is the minister's son, and Bertie is a woman who will be taken in mm-hmm. by um, rescued. And Bertie needs a rescue in more than just one way. Wow. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the story. I've never said a story in Texas. It's a it's a more intense theme, I guess, than what I have covered before. I keep my commitment not to wallow in the ugly, I'll, you know, give the emotional impact without all of the, the details, the ugly details that people don't want to read. 
and um, hopefully it will be one that will be impactful for readers that maybe don't feel like they're good enough. Um, Absolutely. I'm thinking what a marvelous vehicle to not only address uh, women's issues that happened in the past, but these are the same issues we are still talking about in the news today mm -hmm. about uh, women who find themselves unexpectedly pregnant or women who have been trafficked or women who have been used, um, women who have been misunderstood. And so those same issues are still issues we're dealing with today. And I'm sure we're, uh, mm -hmm. your readers will find a lot of modern day application learning from your you know, even fictional characters uh, based mm -hmm. on historical characters from the past. So I am loving that idea. I can't wait to see what you end up doing with that. Um, so let's Thank circle you. back to the idea of the importance of writers group. You mentioned it several times, how you have benefited from your association with writers. Um, so tell our listeners why being part of a group is so important to you. Well, this is going to sound a little strange, but the first writers conference that I went to I was back in 2003, 2002, 2003. Um, I, one of the main speakers said, writers aren't normal. Oh, gosh. And <laughs> yes, and, no. and it was wonderful to hear because I had never felt like I was like everyone else. I did, I thought everybody had characters living in their heads, telling them their stories until I hit junior high when I found out, no, you're just weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it was to me, it was very refreshing to find out, you know, maybe it's not normal for the average person, but it's very normal for me to be abnormal. And that's OK. And you can get together with other writers and talk about things that you can't necessarily talk about with other people because they just don't get it. You really have to have that writer brain to understand all these people living in your head that are talking to you and are real to you when nobody else can see them. <laughs> I had a lot of imaginary friends when I was a little girl, and now <laughs> I still do. I just bring them to life on paper. <laughs> and make money at it. Bonus points to right. you, ma'am. <laughs> and you know, there's, there's, there's a thing about iron sharpens iron. And so if I'm a writer and I'm hanging out with another writer, and I allow her to see my work, and I see her work, we can help each other. Uh, make our, our writing stronger, uh, make the characters more realistic, bring the setting more to life. You know, those are things that a reader might might be able to see, but they don't know why they see it. A writer has a little deeper intel with that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it really, and I, I love all my friends, but there's something very special about being with writing friends. It's just a different kind of gathering. And understanding, I guess. Mm -hmm. An artist colony of the best sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, so right. I love what happens when writers get together because you're all word people. And so the mm. best conversations bubble up. And, oh, yeah. Um, the what if conversations. Well, what if, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, how, how wonderful things grow out of that, so... Absolutely. Sharing ideas and dreams and visions. And then um, I know I have benefited greatly by uh, learning the discipline of writers who are accomplished about making a habit of writing every single mm -hmm. day. Um, even if you feel like you have nothing to say, sit down and make yourself do it. Just get in the yeah. habit of doing it. Um, right. of, of finishing what you start. Of mm -hmm. um, It's okay to second guess yourself and to say, oh, I don't know, should this character do this or not? You know, just put your thoughts 
bounced down. And I think you shared with us uh, previously that there have been times you've thrown out whole pages, whole chapters and said, nope, I'm going to take it in a different direction. And when you hear that other writers have done that, you're like, oh, good. You know, I felt like that was a waste. But now I see that, you know, this is just this is how work gets done in our particular industry. Um, And so not only um, having the ability to dream uh, fictional characters into reality, but actual the practical aspects of how to get that out of my head onto a page that somebody can buy and share. Um, And so I know that that's really encouraging because as a writer myself, I I constantly am looking for sources of inspiration and motivation. And very Mm -hmm. often I find that in the company of other artists. So absolutely. Yep. It's a big benefit. So uh, we have had so much fun in our conversation today. As we close out, is there anything you'd like our listeners to see more clearly? Their value. You know, I've been dealing with this a lot lately with different people that we live in a world where the value system seems to be if you're the, the prettiest, if you're the most popular, if you're the most, you know, you have the most money, those are the ones that are the most valued. And that just breaks my heart because we're all so important. We're all so valued. We're all so loved. We all have a role to play in this world. And I just want everyone to to see themselves the way that God sees them as a beloved creation. And it, those things that the world uses as a value system are meaningless in his eyes. I, I think it's just really been rolling a lot in my heart lately. Um, well, I think it certainly shows in your writing. You don't write about the rich and famous. You write about little children and women who are often not seen and people who are quietly going about doing their everyday jobs and their everyday lives, and you make them interesting and valuable, and, and you make us want to see them and get to know them better. So thank you for giving us that lovely gift. That certainly does reflect your heart, and I so appreciate thank that. Thank you for the encouragement. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yep love your books and um, I know our listeners will too so if you want to um, have quick access to Kim's books you can find those on our website at nis.media check out our authors page and they're going to be all there just click on them and it'll take you right to purchase points where you can get quick copies of those unless of course you want to take Kim's suggestion and go browse a bookstore how yummy is that <laughs> Um, Okay, this has been so much fun today, and I am sad that we're going to have to wait almost a year to have another book release so we can do this again. Yeah, I know, but you know, as fast as time is going, it's going to be here before I sneeze. (laughs) Absolutely, and you and I both have so many fun things to look forward to between now and then, and we're going to be friends for a long time, so I am looking forward to having you on our show again, and I wish you much success on the release of this latest book, Tapestry of Grace. Thanks, and uh, friends, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's eye-opening interview. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website at nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Joelle Salazar, who created and performed the new Now I See theme song. 